Welcome to the Kara's Cure Show, where we explore the cutting edge of wellness. I'm Kara Sundland. It is a new year, but many of us might be struggling to move forward. Perhaps you're still grieving from a loss, whether that be a person that you loved, a job, or even a phase of life, or even how life was before the pandemic. I want to welcome Dr. Marianne Bett, who is a family physician from Southbury, Connecticut. Uh, she's on the road now. She's a traveling woman, but she's also known as the grief warrior. And she's written a book how to heal about how to heal a grieving heart so i want to speak with yes. this doctor who's uh you've written the book it's called living with a grieving heart so welcome to you doctor thank you thank you so much so tell me a little bit about your personal story you sort of got a crash course in grief yes i um when i was 33 my fiance was killed in a plane accident at the time when we were going to pick up our wedding rings. Oh. And so that was a shocking, that was a shocking uh, young death, uh, unexpected. And then years later, like 20 years later, I was married and um, my husband uh, got cancer and had a whole year that he tried everything that he could do and it didn't work. And then he died. And um, so I've had those two big personal losses uh, as well as many other, like my parents dying. Um, I lost a pregnancy. I have a grandson that OD'd and died. I mean, there's been a lot of death that I have personally experienced and I think it gave me a unique perspective. So when I retired, I thought, boy, I've got a lot of death experience and everybody's going to experience some kind of death. And maybe I can um, share some of the wisdom that I have gleaned from my personal and also my professional yeah. life of 40 years as a family doc where when you're a family doc, you're very involved in the patient's personal life, too. So yes, had a lot of death experience. So uh, with 40 years of being a family physician, with your own personal experiences of so many sudden losses and deaths, you've decided to write this book. What is normal in grieving, including mental, physical, and cognitive changes? The, the, the changes in grieving are so great they uh, and varied so uh what we find is when when a uh, it's an accidental death like a plane crash or uh an overdose or a car crash or unexpected death the grieving process is prolonged and severe um and so to give it an exact time frame it's not a, it i I can't do it because it's so varied. Mm -hmm. Then um, the changes that can happen can be also quite varied. Some people just go into shock and they shut off and they just wait and try to act normal and push down the grief and the and the shock of it all. But it'll come back up at some point when they I have a chance to be more uh, or maybe less devastated by dealing with the grief. 
And um, the cognitive changes can go everything from um, hearing the dead person talking to you, being obsessed with the dead person's things, and they're um, trying to still communicate with them, pretending they didn't die, to um, just cutting them off completely like they never existed. So mm -hmm. there can be a lot of different ways that people uh, respond to, to, to a shocking death. And even if it's not a shocking death, and it's a death where you expect, like it was with my husband when we knew everything he was taking didn't work, um, even then it's a bit of a shock when the person actually does die. Sure. So it's not an easy, it's not an easy experience anyway that you have it. So how can you help people if they're going through this? I mean, grief is such a complicated thing. We've heard about the five stages. I know they're not linear, but if someone is still having trouble with grief, what's step one? What can you offer them? I think um, when someone's struggling with grief, uh, it, it, it helps to find out kind of where are they in this process? Have they, um, do they have a support system, number one? They need to uh, be with people who know and love them and know what they're like when they're not going to be experiencing such a traumatic, uh, you know, it's, it's devastating, you know, and and then you can be completely not yourself and you almost can isolate yourself because you don't know how to behave how to think things can happen to you and you're like well where did that come from how did that happen uh, people have panic attacks they have uh, a, a host of physical ailments can come about and so it's important to um it's important to find out uh what what area they're struggling with mm -hmm. um the thing is, Your dog is people, people have uh, bonds, they make bonds, all of us make bonds, and when those bonds are broken, like in a death, the person has to negotiate that absence. So uh, it could be financial, like the other person did all the taxes or did handled all the bills or did all the finances, or it could be the person who cooked or um, people used to say to me after my husband died, do you talk to your dead husband? And I would say, yes, I talk to him every time I go to the dump. <laughs> they would say, what? And I said, listen, for years, this man went to the dump and I would say, how was your day, honey? And he'd say, oh, today was a dump day. And I went to the dump and I would say, oh, good, good. I had no idea what that was. But when I started going to the dump, I realized, holy cow, you know, all the steps involved, what you do, you, you know, you wind up talking to the people at the dump, you get yourself organized. And so you start to pick up all the pieces that the other person did. And there's a, a more like sad communication there too, because you know what they did and you didn't appreciate it maybe at the time. Right. Right. So there, there can be regret, you know, people can feeling regret. The funny thing is I knew I was going to do this talk with you this morning 
and I'm at my sister's house in California, and there's four of us that are three widows and one widower. And we sat around last night talking because I said, hey, listen, we've all been through this. What, what, what is your experience that's the best tips we can give people? And number one was don't do it alone. Mm-hmm. You know, you need, don't isolate, get with your friends, even if you're there crying and feeling sad. And, you know, there's only so long you can cry and carry on uh, before you either have to get up and go to the bathroom or, you know, sneeze or eat or, you know, real life intervenes. And then the other thing um, was we all felt the best way to honor our dead spouses um, or it could be your dead loved one, whatever, is to live a good life. Try to enjoy your life to the best that you can. Um, keep yourself healthy. Don't say take side trips into street drugs or excessive alcohol. Uh, they're really side trips. You're going to come back. You've still got the same amount of stuff you have to deal with. And, um, and, uh, let me see. What else were we talking well, about? Let, you know, Just, let's talk about um, you, you, one of the things you mentioned is uh, there are some effective ways that you can tap into healing. What are some yes. of those effective ways of tapping into healing? Okay. I think uh, one of the most important things is to calm yourself down, to calm your uh, body and your mind and your spirit. And you can do that by a number of ways. Um The physical things are the, like, uh, as simple as walking, going for a walk, uh, yoga, uh, tai chi, those things that uh, encourage a mind-body awareness connection and control. I mean, it's really hard to be doing yoga and breathing right and crying about your dead loved one. You, You have to really just engage in the process of the um, of the yoga or the breathing, and it gives your it actually gives the neurochemicals in your body a chance to reboot themselves, because when you get really stressed all the time, it's not it's not just your thinking; it's it's your whole neurochemistry, mm-hmm. and so that's important. Um, one of the biggest things that people will frequently talk about is engaging in nature so uh, nature can be anything from camping hiking to even just going out at night and looking at the stars Uh, or even if you can't get out you can even just look at things on the internet and it gives you a chance to put your own self into a perspective of the world like the song says, and, I hope you still feel small yeah. when you stand beside the ocean. But I, I, I think we have a, a picture of your book, and um, I know that you know you just—it's your second book, actually, and uh, yes. it's something that you've uh, really been passionate about. You want to teach people on how to live with a grieving heart. It's called "Living with a Grieving Heart: Thoughts from a Grief Warrior." How, uh, what what qualities do we need to have to become a grief warrior instead of uh, perhaps someone who's paralyzed by our grief? How do we move from the initial problems that you go through as grief and to become a grief warrior? 
Well, I think first of all is um, the desire to not be so um, upset or distraught all the time, to not let your life be destroyed um, by a loss. And then you start to see, you know, you're not going to feel this in the beginning, but after time, you're like, oh, I had something wonderful and I appreciated it. And what did I learn from that relationship? What did I learn from what I had? What did I learn from my loss? And if you look at it that way, you you see things you you didn't see initially. Like um, people used to say to me, how could you be so happy when your husband died and you took care of him for a year and it was a really tough process? And I would say to them, at this point, after so many years, I see it as a gift because I never could have understood or experienced those type of emotions or feelings or understand them until I went through it myself. It's like the difference between reading about something and experiencing it. It's mm -hmm. a different, it's that kind of a difference. Right. And for me, I really, it made me a better doctor. I think it made me a better parent, made me a better person, made me a better sister. Um, it just broadened my whole mental outlook on, on life and what, what is life all about anyway? It gets mm -hmm. you into that kind of a frame of mind. Sure. Sometimes you just can't have the amount of empathy that you would like to unless you've actually experienced it. Um, there are... Uh, there's an expression uh, that I've interviewed many grief therapists and they say you need to feel it to heal it, but also the idea that you should dose your grief. So you, maybe you don't have to just sit there and feel it 24 hours a day, but uh, you brought up an important point that if we don't take a point to feel it and we just skip over it, neurologically, physically, it doesn't go away, right? We're holding this and it's oh, going no. to come out in ways, oh, no, maybe even health problems. Waiting. You've got that right. The other thing that I tell people is take a grief day, take a grief break day. So my grandson last year about this time overdosed and I flew out to California, my stepdaughter's here. And, um, you know, I was just there for three weeks. What do you do when it's an acute situation like this? You know, you cook, you clean, you go for a walk, you cry. And after a couple of weeks, I said, okay, we need a grief, we need a grief break, you know? So I said, let's go play miniature golf. So we went, we played miniature golf with her husband and her other two kids. And they even now talk about that was the best thing that I did in the three weeks I was there was insist they take a grief break. We went to miniature golf and we just laughed the whole time because I was like, I'm pretty athletic normally, but I was just like a goofball that day. I was hitting the ball, was going over into the other, uh, into the other uh, holes, and we just laughed. We just laughed the whole time. It was it was a, such a relief mm -hmm. to know you could laugh again. You know. Yeah, yeah. And so whether you're playing miniature golf or uh, 
watching a funny movie or something like that. It's important. I think sometimes people are concerned about how to help someone who's grieving, what to say, and then they do nothing, right? They just don't say anything or they don't bring the person's name up. That's the worst, right? They say, so what, what should someone do if they're trying to help someone who's grieving? I think you just want to show up and you can just say, I don't know how to help you, but I want to be in a relationship and communicate with you how much I care. Mm. And so here I am being stupid and not knowing what to do. So if you make a list, I'll follow it. If you don't have a list, I'll come to your house and see what might need to be done and do that. Or I can um, cook for you. I can be your slave for three days, (laughs) whatever it is. And that usually that'll break the ice and and you'll be able to um, you'll be able to uh, communicate and be very helpful. It's not so much that you talk about yourself. It's really that you listen to the griever and you you just let them talk. I mean, in the beginning, that's that's how reality sets in is you listen to their story about their dead loved one and what it means to them. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, I. I... I like that you say we should just listen because that takes the pressure off the person of like, what do I say? What do I say? The wrong thing. Um, you write that what I've learned as a grief warrior among great among great many other things is that you can bury it, deny it, or steal your heart against grief, but you cannot make it go away. There are times when you are too fragile or vulnerable to fully engage in grieving and your focus on your daily life in order to survive. But someday, somewhere, could be years later, when the wound is not so raw and our lives will not be shattered, the grief or the anger or the overwhelming sadness will come up from wherever it's been and demand to be dealt with. So if you're worried that your loved one is trying to be too strong or is just gone right back to work and maybe caretaking because they're a parent or something and they just don't seem to be dealing with it. What do you do then? Well, I think you can ask them where they are with their pain and their uh, grief. How are they handling it? What do they feel about um, moving forward or moving without this person? Um, and and just kind of put the toes in the water and see if they're interested in exploring it some more. You can just say, whenever you'd like to talk about it, I would love to hear it. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have to be now. You can call me up at midnight and tell me, you know, you just, this is when it hit you. I'll, I'll be available. Okay. And you say, you know, it doesn't, when we lose someone, that we really loved, who it, the pain doesn't necessarily go away. You say, even though you're a grief warrior, you actually will still suffer sometimes from migraines every December on the anniversary yes. of your marriage to your late husband. Right. It it's uh, certain things just don't go away, and um, I learned this when I was uh, after my fiance died. I had a mentor a physician mentor, and I said to him, I just want to know, when is it going to be over? And he said to me, I don't know. He said, my wife uh, was married to a fighter pilot in the Second World War, and um, then he got killed, and she and I, years later, married. We have a full family, a lot of grandkids. He said, we were out planting bulbs in the in the garden and one day 
together and I look at her and the tears are coming down her her eyes and she said he just had to go back and drop those bombs and get shot down didn't he and I thought oh it's still gonna hit you it's still gonna hit you at times years later Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so when and that's normal that's the normal part of it. So that's what people need to know, that it's normal to get hit sometimes. It's normal mm-hmm. years later. There isn't a set timeline. We know about the five stages of grief, but it's not linear. It's not like you go through them all and then you're done. No. The, the five stages are Elizabeth Kubler-Ross was just a phenomenal uh, death and dying uh, therapist, but those were more for the patients that were dying. There is another... Um, uh, paradigm that's uh, warden stages of mourning, which is what are the chores of a mourner to get through? And the one is, you know, to accept that it's gone and uh, to try to negotiate your life without that person. I call that the new normal. It's, it's not normal, but it's what's going to be normal without this person. And then the last stage is if if you're able, you can look at the gift that you got from that person and their experience of your lives together, what that taught you. And not everybody needs to get to that point, but it's really nice if you can get there. It's very, very helpful. Mm-hmm. Is it different for children? Children are... You know, it is so different for children. Um, My husband died. My one daughter was eight. My other daughter was 13. My 13-year-old is very good with it. My my daughter that was eight at the time is still very, gets very angry at times. Um, and, And I can't do it right. Either I talk about them too much or I don't talk about them enough or I haven't included this or that, you know, she's, she's tough with that one. So kids are different in how they grieve. Um, and, uh, there's different ways that you, you talk to children about, about, uh, death and dying too. It's, it's a unique, unique situation. Just cause kids go out and play and act normal doesn't mean they're not grieving. They're grieving. You just have to check in with them. What do you think about this? How about that? And then you just let them uh, dictate where the conversation goes. Uh, Because most kids will tell you what they need. Yeah, well, and that might be something that we just ask. So, you know, I don't know exactly what to do, but what do you need? I'm here for you. Um, intentionally uh-huh. checking in. I know the worst thing is when everyone's there for that first couple of weeks and then they disappear. Um, so as exactly. we want to keep showing up. Um, what about professional therapy? When someone's experienced a really sudden loss or deep loss, would you recommend right. that most of us would need to get some sort of professional help? It, it depends on how you are at the time, um, because you're needing a process. You're needing to put that into a process. Uh, if you're having trouble negotiating your daily life, I would think it would be a smart move. I think also there's a time when um, grief groups or bereavement groups are super helpful, super helpful. And sometimes... Um, it's good to maybe just go 
go to a grief group uh, at a at a like. Uh, let me back up. I've had people go to grief groups and they go all the time and they're they're life members. There's other people that go to grief groups and then check in periodically because there are times in the first few years where it's really tough. Uh, the holidays, anniversaries, Valentine's Day, birthdays, death mm -hmm. days. And maybe you want to just get either a personal therapist or a grief therapist for those times. Um, and if people are just really cannot negotiate their life, mm. they need a personal therapist, a good bereavement therapist. Mm -hmm. They're worth their weight in gold. <laughs> You know, I've had the blessing to interview some of them. We, we had a sudden loss here. One of our beloved co-workers died suddenly, and, and, and many of us were trying to figure out how to deal with it because um, it was so unexpected. But I think some of the things that I remembered from those interviews at the time was that grief is like a pendulum, and it's just going to swing, but that you also do need to feel it to heal it. So um, you've written this book because you've learned a lot about it, both as a physician and as your personal experiences. What other lessons can people learn in this book? Um, I think the book is a series of short stories. So some of them are two pages, some of them are five pages, but they're short stories because I personally believe that short stories are the best way that people learn. Um, when I talk to physicians, I have graphs and I have, you know, timelines and stuff, but really the best thing are the stories. Mm. And, um, there are stories in this book that seem to resonate with all kinds of people. Um, and it's just what I call kitchen table wisdom. It's not a lot of um, rhetoric uh, and the stories themselves give the meaning. And uh, I think there's something for everybody in this book because um, it's not just my personal experience, but how I've seen people over the 40 years grieving um, and what they've told me works the best. Yeah, we're all different. I guess that's part of it, just accepting that we're all different. Oh, yeah. I let it focus and the cultures, cultures are different too. Yeah, and our time now for this episode is coming to a close, but we want to let everyone know that they can learn more. This might be a gift uh, that you want to get to someone who's had a loss, but the book Living with a Grieving Heart, uh, you can get it anywhere. You can also follow uh, Dr. Bet on Instagram at B-E-T-T-E, Marianne, and get your kitchen table wisdom. And uh, I know you've followed a lot of your dreams, uh, taking off uh, on road trips and enjoying your retirement. Um, so I love, I'll leave our viewers with this, that sometimes the best way to honor those we loved is to try living a good life. And I know you're doing that and trying to serve. So thank you so much for being with us today, doctor. Yes, thank you. And thank you for what you do. I just think this is phenomenal. It's so nice to have this kind of news situation. It's great. Thank you again. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. We we uh, like to explore the cutting edge of wellness here on Kara's Cures. You can follow me at Kara Sundlin or the Kara's Cures Facebook group. Uh, we want everyone to have a great day and be well. And again, uh, we'll have the links up also on my Facebook page if you want to get this book later. Uh, thanks for being here for another episode of Kara's Cures, where we explore the cutting edge of wellness. <laughs>